Chapter 6 of the Book of Foundations by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording read by Chris McGregor. The Book of Foundations, written by St. Teresa of Avila and translated from the Spanish by the Reverend John Dalton. I have endeavored with diligence to understand whence proceeds that great abstraction of mine which I have seen in some persons, to whom our Lord gave many delights in prayer, and who are not slothful in disposing themselves to receive such favors. I do not treat here of the manner which a soul is suspended and wrapped by the divine majesty, for in another place I have written much on this matter. And besides, in such cases, Much need not be said, because if the rapture be true and real, we can do nothing ourselves, however much we may resist. And I should remark that the violence which prevents us from being masters of ourselves lasts but a short time. But it often happens that there begins a prayer of quiet, in the manner of spiritual sleep, which suspends the soul in such a way that unless we know how to proceed therein, Much time may be lost, and our strength wasted through our own fault with little merit. I should be glad to know how to make myself understood on this subject, but being so difficult, I know not if I shall succeed. But I am certain that would those souls believe me who walk in this delusion, they might understand me. I have known some persons who were thus wrapped for seven or eight hours, And these were individuals of great virtue, and everything seemed to them to be a rapture. And any holy exercise so influenced them that they were immediately out of themselves, thinking it would be wrong to resist our Lord. And thus, by little and little, they might have died, or become foolish if no remedy had been applied. What I know in this case is that when our Lord begins to caress a soul, and our nature is fond of delights, She is so engaged with this pleasure that she neither desires to stir nor to lose it on any account. And to speak the truth, it is more delicious than any pleasures of the world, and this takes place in a weak nature or understanding. Or to speak more correctly, when the imagination is not changeable, but seizing on a subject dwells upon it without wandering from it as is the case with many people who, as soon as they begin to think on something, though not upon God, or look upon something without reflecting on what they see, remain absorbed. These are persons of a quiet nature who, through inadvertence, seem to forget what they are going to say. Now, the same thing happens here according to our weak nature or constitution, and if the person should be of a melancholy disposition, it will discover to them a thousand pleasant fancies. Of this disposition I will speak a little later. But though there should be no melancholy, what I have mentioned still takes place. And even in persons worn out with mortifications, for, as I have said, love beginning to give them sensible delights, they allow themselves to be carried away too much by them. And in my opinion, they would love much better if they did not thus suffer themselves to be caressed, for in this degree of prayer they may very well resist. For as when the constitution is weak, 
a fainting is perceived, which does not allow us to speak or move. So it is the same here. If no resistance be made, because the strength of the soul, if nature be weak, overcomes and subjects it. Someone may ask me, what is the difference between this suspension of the soul and a rapture? It is the same, at least in appearance, and they have reason for their opinion, but it is not so in reality. For a rapture, or a union of all the powers, lasts but a short time, as I have said, and leaves the great effects and an interior light in the soul with many other great benefits. The understanding does nothing, but our Lord it is who works in the will. But in the other case, it is quite different, for although the body be seized, yet the will, the memory, and the understanding are not. But all perform their functions, though irregularly, and perhaps without staying long on one thing. Here the difference will be discovered. As to myself, I found no benefit whatever in the painful weakness of the body, except that it had a good beginning. It is more useful to employ this time well than to continue so long absorbed. Much more may be gained by complying with duties commanded by obedience. By not weakening ourselves and making ourselves unable to obey, than by allowing ourselves to be carried away by an abstraction, which shortens our life and does not suffer us to obey. I therefore advise the prioress to use all possible diligence in removing those long faintings, which in my opinion serve no other purpose but to give an opportunity to the intellect and the senses to neglect what the soul commands them, and thus they deprive her of the benefits which are accustomed to be gained by obedience and carefulness in pleasing God. If the prioress discovers that this arises from weakness, they should forbid the fasts and disciplines. I speak of those only which are not obligatory, and at times it may happen that even these may be dispensed without blame, and give them some employments to divert their mind. And even should they not have these fainting fits, if they keep the imagine well employed, even on very sublime points of prayer, still this will be necessary. For it often happens that they are not masters of themselves, and especially if they have received from our Lord some extraordinary favor, or have seen some vision, the soul remains affected in such a manner that she imagines she is always seeing a vision. And it is not so, for she saw it only once. Whoever finds herself possessed with this abstraction for many days should endeavor to change her meditation or direct it to some other object. For as it regards the things of God, there is, as I have said before, no inconvenience in either dwelling on one point or choosing another. And God is often as much pleased by our considering his creatures and the wisdom and power he has shown in creating them as in our thinking of himself, the creator. O deplorable misery of man, who by sin art so corrupt that even what is good we have need of rule and measure, in order that we run no risk of losing our salvation. And indeed it behooves many persons, especially if they have weak heads or a strong imagination, to understand that thus they serve our Lord better. And when anyone sees that if she represent to her imagination some mystery the passion, or the glory of heaven, or any other similar subject, 
and that she cannot, though she desire, think on anything else, nor free herself from this abstraction, then let her remember to direct herself to something else as well as she can. For if not, the time will come when she will understand the loss and experience that it arises from what I said above, namely, either from a great weakness of body or from the imagination, which is still worse. For as an idiot, when he thinks on anything, is not master of himself, nor can he withdraw his mind or think of something else, and no reasoning can move him to do so, because he is not master of his reason. So it may happen here, although it be pleasing madness. But what if the person happens to be of a melancholy disposition? It may do her a great deal of harm. I cannot understand what good it will be for the reasons above mentioned, and this the more so as the soul is capable of enjoying God himself, and as he is also infinite, the soul seems captive by being tied to the consideration of only one of his perfections or mysteries, whereas there are so many, the more she considers his work, the more she would discover his perfections. I say not that in one hour or in one day you should think of many things, for this would be perhaps to enjoy more will. But the subjects are so nice and subtle that I would not have you suppose what I never intend to say, nor mistake one thing for another. Indeed, it is so important you should understand this chapter well, although I have digressed in writing it. I'm not sorry for it. And I should be glad if those who do not understand well at first would often read it over, especially the prioress and mistresses of novices who have to instruct the sisters in prayer. For they will see, unless they proceed with care in the beginning, that it will take a long time afterwards to remedy such infirmities. Were I to give an account of the great harm which I myself have known has arisen from this cause, you would see what powerful reasons I have to insist so much on this point. One instance I wish to relate, and from this the rest may be inferred. In one of our monasteries there lived two nuns. One was a choir nun, and the other a lay sister. Both were versed in the highest degree of prayer, which was united with mortification, humility, and other virtues. And also they received many caresses from our Lord, to whom he communicated sublime ideas of his greatness. And especially they were so disengaged from earth and so taken up with his love that they seemed to be wanting and corresponding, according to our lowliness, with all these favors our Lord showed them, though we endeavored much to try them in various ways. I have spoken thus of their virtue in order that others may fear who do not possess it. Certain violent impulses and desires of enjoying our Lord began to seize them, and these they were not able to overcome, they were, however, satisfied a little when the sisters received the Holy Communion, and hence they asked their confessors to leave to communicate often. And so much did their pain increase that if they did not communicate every day, they imagined they should die. The confessors, beholding these souls, filled with such ardent desires, and one of the confessors was a very spiritual man, judge this to be a remedy for their malady. But the matter did not rest here, 
for one of the sisters had such ardent desires that it was necessary to communicate her every morning in order, as she imagined, to keep life in her. For these were persons that would not, on any account, make a false pretense, nor tell a lie for the whole world. I was not there at the time, but the prior sent me an account of what passed, saying she knew not how to act with them, and that such and such individuals told her this remedy should be used, since there was no other. I soon perceived what the matter was, for it was God's will I should. I said nothing, however, till I came myself, for I feared I might be deceived, and it was reasonable that he would approve the act should not be contradicted, till I gave my reasons against it. One of the confessors was so humble that as soon as I arrived and spoke with him on the subject, he believed me. The other was not so spiritual a man, and indeed, in comparison with the former, nothing, so that I was quite unable to persuade him. But I did not trouble myself much about him, not having the same obligations towards him as to the other. I now began to reason with the sisters and to offer many weighty, according to my judgment, arguments, sufficient to make them understand it was only an imagination to think that they would die if they did not communicate. But they were so deeply persuaded they were right that no reasoning did or could persuade them of the contrary. I saw all that I said was useless, and therefore I told them that I myself had the like desires and yet would not communicate in order that they might believe they also should not do the same unless when the rest communicated. I also told them that if they were to die, all three of us should die, for I considered this better than to introduce the like practice into these houses, where lived persons who loved God as much as they did and desired to do as much for him. But the mischief produced by this custom was so great the devil likewise meddling in the matter, that when they did not communicate, they really thought they should die. I showed great severity towards them, for the more I saw they would not subject themselves to obedience, since in their judgment they could not act otherwise, the more I clearly was convinced that it was a temptation. The first day they passed with great difficulty, the next with a little less, and thus by little and a little, their pain abated, insomuch so that although I communicated through obedience, otherwise I should not have done so, seeing them so weak, they were very content. A short time after, they and all the others were convinced it was a temptation, and it was well a remedy was found, for not long afterwards some troubles with the superiors happened in that house, though not by their fault and I may a little further on say something of this matter, for they would not approve nor suffer such practices. Oh, how many like examples I could relate, but I will mention only one. It did not happen in a convent of our order, but in one of St. Bernard's. There lived in it a nun, very virtuous she was also, who used many disciplines and fasted much, and hence she became so weak that every time she communicated or had occasion to inflame her heart with devotion, she immediately fell on the ground and remained thus for eight or nine hours, she herself and everyone else supposing it to be a rapture. 
This happened so often that if a remedy had not been applied, I believe she would have suffered much more. The report of these raptures spread through all the town. I was sorry to hear of it, for God wished me to understand what was in reality the case, and I feared what it might come to. Her confessor, who was a father well known to me, came and related the matter to me. I gave him my opinion and told him it was a weakness and loss of time and had no appearance of a rapture, and I begged him to prohibit her disciplines and fasting and make her do something to divert her mind. She obeyed him in everything, and gradually, recovering her strength, she had no more raptures. But if it had been a true rapture, no remedy would have been sufficient until it was God's will. For so great is the power of the Spirit that our strength is not sufficient to resist, as I have said, and he leaves great effects in the soul as well as the lassitude in the body, but not so this other. We may then conclude from what I have said that we should suspect whatever subjects us in such a manner and that we perceive our reason is not less free, for by this way liberty of spirit will never be gained, since one of its properties is to find God in all things, and to be able to meditate on them. All the rest is a subjection of the spirit, and besides the harm the body receives, it binds the soul and prevents her growth. And as when we are traveling along a road, we fall into a quagmire and cannot get out of it, so is it in some respect with the soul, which in order to advance onwards has not only to walk, but also to fly. Oh, what a delusion it is when they say or when they imagine that they walk absorbed in the divinity and cannot assist themselves, and so far as they are transported, that there is no means of diverting them. And this happens very often. Let them beware, I advise them again and again. For one day or for four or eight days, there is not much to fear, since it is not to be wondered if weak nature should continue this state for a few days. But if it exceed this period, then some remedy is necessary. The pith of these remarks is that there is no fault, nor sin, nor sensation of merit, but there are these inconveniences I have mentioned, and much greater are they with regard to the Holy Communion, when a soul which loves is not subject, even in this matter, either to her confessor or the prioress, and though solitude afflicts her. It is requisite in this also, as in other matters, to mortify them and give them to understand that it is better for them not to do their own will than to seek their own consolation. Herein our own self-love may also interfere. For it happened to me that as soon as I had communicated, though the species still remained entire, if I saw any other communicate, I then wished not to have received, that I might receive again. And as this happened very often, I afterwards perceived, for then there seemed to be nothing which could correct me, that this arose from my own pleasure than from the love of God. Because when we receive the Holy Communion, we feel in some respect a certain tenderness and pleasure, and these it was which attracted me. If I had approached for the possession of God, I had him already in my soul. If to fulfill the commands of my superiors, who require me to approach the Holy Communion, I had already done it. If for the reception of the graces which are given in the most blessed sacrament, I had received them already. 
At length, I clearly understood that I was not to desire communicating again in order merely to have that sensible delight. I remember that in a certain place where I lived and in which there was a convent of ours, I knew a woman who was a very great servant of God, according to the belief of all the people. And she must indeed have been such, for she communicated every day. She had, however, no particular confessor, but sometimes went to one church and sometimes to another to communicate. I remarked this and would have preferred to see her obedient to one person rather than communicate so often. She lived in a house by herself, doing as I thought what she liked. But as she was good and virtuous, all that she did was good. I spoke to her several times, but she paid no regard to me, and with reason, for she was much better than I. Yet in this matter I thought I was not mistaken. St. Peter of Alcantara happened to come there, and I induced him to speak to her. But I was not satisfied with the account he gave me of her, though I ought to have been. Were we not such miserable creatures that we are never satisfied except with those who think the same as we do? For I believe this woman served our Lord better and did more penance in one year than I did in many years. She became dangerously ill and used all diligence in having Mass said every day in her house and being communicated. But as her sickness continued some time, the priest, a great servant of God, who often said Mass for her, thought it improper she should be communicated every day in her house. Accordingly, one day after Mass, as he would not communicate her, this made her very peevish and so angry with the priest that he came and told me the whole affair and was greatly scandalized thereat. This must, therefore, have been a temptation of the devil, for it happened on the day she died. I was exceedingly troubled when I heard of this matter, for I think she died immediately, and I know not whether or no she made her peace with God. For this event I came to know the great evil which befalls us, by doing our own will in anything, and especially in so important a matter. For he that approaches his Lord so often ought to be sensible of his own unworthiness in such a manner as not to approach by his own choice. But what is wanting to him for receiving so great a Lord, which must indeed be much, the virtue of obedience may supply which commands him to approach. Here, a good opportunity offered itself to this good woman of humbling herself, and perhaps she would have merited more than by communicating and of understanding how the priest was no way in fault, but our Lord, seeing her misery and unworthiness, so ordained it. Another person acted differently, who was frequently not allowed by her confessors to receive, because she received too often. And although she felt this privation very tenderly, yet considering, on the other hand, God's honor more than her own pleasure, she did nothing but praise God for having raised up a confessor who would take care of her that his divine majesty might not enter into so mean a lodging. And by these considerations, she obeyed with great peace of soul, though with a tender and amorous pain. But she would not for the whole world have acted contrary to what she had been commanded. Let them believe me that by this love of God, I say that 
it is such only in our own opinion, which moves the passions in such a manner as to lead us into some offense against him, or which disturbs the peace of the enamored soul to such a degree that she hears not reason, then it is clear that by such love we seek ourselves. And the devil will not desist from attacking us when he thinks he can do us most harm, just as he did this woman. And that accident terrified me much. Not, however, because she would not believe me, for I do not consider this would be sufficient cause to endanger her salvation, since the goodness of God is exceeding great, but because the temptation came at a dangerous time. I give this account here in order that the prioresses may be on their guard and that the sisters may fear, consider, and examine themselves on the manner in which they approach to receive so great a favor. If to please God, let them know that he is more pleased with obedience than with sacrifice. And if so, and the merit be greater, what can disturb us? I do not say that they should be without some humiliating pain, because all do not arrive at such great perfection as to experience no pain, and to do only that which pleases God the most. But if the will be entirely estranged from all self-interest, it will clearly feel no pain. Rather, it will rejoice to have an opportunity of pleasing our Lord in a matter which costs so dearly, and it will humble itself and be content with a spiritual communion. But because in the beginnings it is a favor which our Lord shows them in giving them an ardent desires of approaching him, it is so in the end also. But I say in the beginnings because then they are to be esteemed more. And because in other things relating to perfection mentioned before, they are not so strong, it is wisely allowed them to feel some pain and tenderness when they are deprived of the Holy Communion. And yet this is united with calmness of mind and acts of humility. But when it is attended with altercation and passion, and they are discontented with a prioress or confessor, let them believe it to be a manifest of temptation. But if anyone resolved to communicate, though her confessor told her not, I would not wish to have the merit arising from such a communion, for in such matters we must not be our own judges. He that holds the keys to bind and to loose must be the judge. May our Lord be pleased to give us light to understand subjects so important, and may his assistance be not wanting, so that we may never, from the favors he shows us, take occasion to offend him.